Shalom. I am Rabbi Michael Pont, and this is For the Love of Judaism, special Passover edition. That's right. It is Passover tomorrow night and Saturday night, April 15th and 16th, are the seders. We will gather around our tables with family and friends. We will tell the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim, the exodus from Egypt, our journey from slavery to freedom. So in this episode, we're going to have some learning. We're going to have a sermon about two of the four children who visit our seders every year. And I have a special guest with me today, my good friend and Bima partner, Cantor Michelle Teplitz. We're going to have a little banter about Pesach, and the Cantor will sing a song for us that I really like. So let's go. It's going to be a great episode. Let's start with a little bit of learning. On our Seder tables every year, we have three matzot, three matzahs in a stack on display. Why do we have these matzahs on our table? A lesson that I learned a long time ago is that the three matzot represent the three ritual tribes of Israel, namely Kohen, Levi, and Yisrael. But as one of my professors in rabbinical school taught me, if that is the case— When we break the middle matzah, we are breaking Levi. And as my professor said, why are you breaking poor Levi? And that's exactly how he said it. And I think he had a good point. Why are we breaking Levi? That rationale doesn't really hold a lot of water in my opinion. So I want to suggest two reasons why we have three matzot on our table. One is a Jewish legal or halachic rationale. And another is a more spiritual, philosophical reason for the three matzot. So first, the halachic rationale. Passover is a biblical festival, and for biblical festivals and Shabbat, we're required to say hamotzi over two loaves. So on other holidays and Shabbat, you would have two chalot, but you can't have challah on Passover So on Passover, the two loaves are two matzot. So that explains two of the three. And the third matzah is specifically for the Passover holiday. So two for the two loaves that are required for all festivals in the Bible and Shabbat. And then a third loaf or matzah specifically for Passover. So that is the halachic Jewish legal rationale for the three matzot. Now let me suggest the more spiritual psychological rationale of why we have three matzot on our table. Imagine that each matzah represents a moment in time. The bottom matzah represents the past. The top matzah represents the future. And the middle matzah is the present. We take the middle piece of matzah and we break it in two unequal halves because we recognize that in many ways our world today is broken. There is so much struggle and strife and suffering in our world today. We take that larger piece of matzah and we hide it. And when we search for it, that is a metaphor for our striving to find that broken piece of matzah and to reunite it with its partner, with the other piece of matzah. That is our quest symbolically, to make the world whole. The search for that broken piece of matzah 
reminds us of all of the work that we have to do to make this world the place that God intended when God created the world in the beginning of time. That is our mission. Our mission is to do this repair of our world. And we believe that every act of repair, no matter how small, no matter how grandiose, every act makes a difference to help reunite those two broken pieces of matzah. That is our mission as Jews and as human beings while we are here on this earth to partner with God to make this world whole. That in Hebrew is called tikkun olam, repairing the world. So the Passover holiday reminds us to do these acts of kindness in order to bring the world closer to a state of perfection and repair. Hiding that larger piece of matzah, Searching for the afikomen is not just a fun activity for the kids. It is a metaphor for how we are supposed to live our lives. It is a metaphor for our very mission and razandatra, our reason for existing in this world. If you like, maybe near the end of the Seder, when you finally find the afikomen and you're eating the pieces of the afikomen, you could ask people to go around the table and say, what is one way that they want to bring repair to our world in this coming year as we celebrate the Passover holiday? That should lead to some very interesting suggestions and conversation. So now we're going to hear a sermon that I gave last Friday night about two of the four children, the quote-unquote wicked child and the one who doesn't even know how to ask a question. Enjoy. Okay, everybody, Shabbat Shalom. All right, so next Friday night, uh, nobody's going to be here because you're all going to be at home around your Seder table celebrating Pesach. The first Seder is a week from tonight. So the Seder evokes lots of memories of Seder's past, and the four children visit us at every Seder. They're like old friends who come to visit the four children. So let's just review who are the four children who come to the Seder. What's the first one? Who knows? Micah? That's right. The wise one or the chacham? Who's the second child who comes to the Seder? Yeah, Jakey. The shy one. Yeah, well, that's that's the third one, but we'll take it. The shy one or the Tom? Very good. There's another one. Who's got another kid who comes to the Seder? Yeah, Michael. The wicked. Yeah, the wicked child, rebellious. Wait, he's a little too happy there. Uh, all right, Jason Heal will talk about that. And then there's one more child. Ayla, do you know? Yeah, the one who doesn't even know how to ask a question. Those are the four children who come to our Seder. The Chacham, the wise, the Rasha, the wicked or rebellious, the Tom, the simple, who's shy, and then the She'eno Yodea the one who doesn't even know how to ask a question. I think oftentimes these children, like all of us, whether we're children or adults, are at times misunderstood. And in particular tonight, I want to talk about the Rasha, the rebellious, child, and then the one who doesn't even know how to ask a question. I think that the rebellious child, the Rasha, is definitely misunderstood. Because if you read the Haggadah, all he asks, and the scene we're supposed to imagine is that the four children are sitting there with their father, with dad. The Rasha, all he asks is, what is this 
Seder mean to you? Ma ha'avodah hazot lachem. That's all he asks. And I think what he's asking is, is relatively, well, it's not benign, but it shouldn't be judged negatively necessarily. He's just saying, Dad, what does this mean to you? Why is this important? Why should I care? Why should I be sitting at this table with you? What feelings should I have? Can you take, my, take me by the hand and lead me through this Seder? Show me why this is so meaningful and why is it important? Why, Dad? I just need to know why. I mean, isn't that our job as parents? Aren't we supposed to guide our kids and show them what's important in life? And what happens in the Haggadah? I'm so, I just want you to join me for a moment. If you'll, if you'll buy into this interpretation, I just want you to join me for a moment and feel really uncomfortable and even upset with the response of the parent in the Haggadah. The parent, when this Rasha says, why is this important to you? The parent punishes the child. He yells at the child and he says, if you were a slave in Egypt, you would not have been redeemed. You would have been left there. I mean, that's awful. How could a parent say that to a child? I mean, that's just, that's not just like, you know, the threat. If I have to turn around one more time, like when you're in the car, I'm going to leave you by the side of the road. This is worse. This is being left in Egypt where we were abused for 400 years. How could a parent say that to a child? I, I think that that's awful. And I'm uncomfortable with that part of the Haggadah every Passover, every Seder. It upsets me. It is not right to stereotype the rasha, the wicked child, the rebellious child. It's not right to stereotype anyone for that matter. We see the skepticism of that child. We assume the worst about that child. And so we treat him with contempt. We punish him for daring to look for meaning in our tradition. How could we punish a child for wanting to know what it's about, for wanting to strive to understand and wanting to feel something? We punish that child, and then we're shocked when that child turns away from Judaism. When the child turns away, that just confirms our original assessment. Oh, yeah, it's a bad kid. Understand that we as parents, and I'm speaking to us adults right now, we as parents and how we react to that child who we perceive to be the rasha, the wicked or rebellious child, we are helping to drive that child away from what is so important and valuable to us. We are playing a role in that child's life and future. I want to propose something about this child who does not know how to ask a question. First of all, can we just stop and think about that for a minute? That's almost like an oxymoron, especially with young children. I mean, has any parent ever felt like you just, it's just like enough sometimes with the incessant questions? I've felt that way. I mean, I try to, you know, I push that back, but I felt that way. We've probably all felt that way. What child doesn't ask questions? Who is this kid? So I read a commentary by Rabbi Mark Angel that I think was very informative. And again, it speaks to us as parents. Rabbi Angel wrote, this child exists because of the domineering style of the parent. This is a parent who constantly criticizes his or her child. And so she keeps quiet because she's afraid of making a mistake. And she doesn't ask questions because she doesn't want to look dumb 
again, notice it's us parents who are influencing the label that is assigned to this child. And so the four children who come to our Seder, that whole little vignette, it's really not about kids at all. It's about us parents and how we treat our children. So when you're sitting around your Seder table this Friday night and Saturday night, and you're reading these passages and you're thinking about kids, let's think about what, how we as parents parent. Parenting is hard. We all know that. But this passage is in the Haggadah to force us, to compel us to think about how we can be the best parents we can be, how we can not stereotype, how we can not jump to conclusions, and instead try to engage our kids openly and not, again, not jump to those conclusions about what we think they're doing or how we think they're behaving. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. I am happy to be here with my good friend, my partner on the Bema, my bestie. That's right, Cantor Michelle Teplitz. Cantor Teplitz, how are you today? I'm good, Rabbi. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. So we're talking about Passover. The satyrs are coming up. And I wanted to ask you, Cantor, could you share with everybody who's listening a favorite Seder custom that you do with your family at the Seder? Absolutely. So one of my favorite things that we do at the Seder and my kids' favorite is when we get to the plagues. What's more fun than throwing frogs at each other and little boils at each other and lice and wearing sunglasses and special masks? We have it all. We've got the whole kit. We do it all. We have fun with it. I really enjoy that part of the Seder because the kids get to play and I get to be a kid again. Yeah. And you know, the Seder is all about entertaining the children. I mean, that's the whole point. Even the rabbis in the Talmud say you have to entertain the kids and keep them engaged. Now I can see, you know, people throwing like little rubber frogs at each other, but what do you do for like boils? So we use the uh, the popping things, but although this year we could probably just use all of uh, Amalia's poppet toys. Yeah, those were so popular. Yeah, popular. Huh. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help. Dad joke. Um, and what about the hail? What do you use for the hail? The hail, we just throw ping pong balls at each other. Oh, uh, classic. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. Like that's, and it like, you know, by the time you get to the plagues, you know, people, it's Magid. Magid is so long and people are starting to get a little antsy and maybe a little tired. That's the kind of thing that's engaging, that wakes everybody up and makes the Seder really exciting. So yeah, that's terrific. Totally. Yeah, we have fun with it. One of my favorite customs that we do is during Dainu, mm -hmm. we do the Afghani onion free-for-all. This is a custom that came from Afghanistan. What they used to do is during Dainu, they would get up from the table and circle around the table, and they would take leeks, and they would gently hit each other whenever they sang Dainu. Now, leeks are kind of big and a little heavy, and like you could, like if you really swat someone, like you could send somebody to the hospital. So in my house, we use scallions instead, little, you know, not quite as intense, but that's the same thing because it gets everybody up and moving around, you know, gets them off their tuchas and it's fun. Yeah, it's definitely. really fun. You got to have fun in the Seder. Yeah. It's the only way to do it. Yeah. And usually when we get to that point, my dogs also join us in walking around, <laughs> which is really great. Uh, everybody it. has a good time. One other thing I have to mention at the end of the Seder, we sing the song, Who Knows One, in English. In Hebrew, it's called Echad Miodea. 
And I got to tell you, Cantor, when we do Who Knows One, we go hard. We do, we yell, we like scream it, and we do all the hand motions. Nice. And we I go fast. Yeah. We do too. We we do the hand motions, but the Hebrew version, but we, we do as well. We have a really good time with that one. Yeah. We go in Hebrew. I'm impressed. Yeah. Wow. All right, cool. So... Those are some great Seder customs. You can try those at your Seders this year. Now, the Cantor is going to do a really fun song that maybe you could try at your Seder too. Cantor, what is this? So this is called the Afikomen Mambo. It's a really fun song. I've been singing it with all the Hebrew school kids and all the preschool kids, and they've really enjoyed it. So the first part is the chorus, and you can sing that part along with me at home as you're listening, and then I'll do all the other parts. So it goes like this. That was fabulous. Thank you. That was so fun. I can totally see the kids, you know, especially in the preschool, like you yes. said, in the Hebrew school, totally they love that one. getting jazzed with the Afikomen Mambo. So a quick plug for my friend Cantor Teplitz. If you go to the synagogue's website, mjcnj.com, and you drop down to the Cantor's menu, if you want to keep hearing her sing, you can hear her, you can listen to her nonstop. She can be in your head all the time. She has prayers on there, Torah reading, almost anything you would want liturgically. She has recorded it and putting it on the website. And that is an ongoing project for you, right, Cantor Teplitz? That's correct. Yes, I'm doing another site this summer. Fabulous. So just, again, go to the synagogue website. There's a lot of great stuff there and check it out. Again, that's Cantor Michelle Teplitz. This is for the love of Judaism, everybody. Chag Sameach V'Kasher. That means a happy holiday and a kosher one. And peace out. Peace out.